this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You know, we just entered a church-wide fast here, and, and I know many of you had some significant things that may have happened. This is Roxanne Mitchell. Come on up here, Roxanne. You may have to come up here. You're, you're, she's, a, she's an Oompa Loompa. She's a little bitty, so come on back up here. I mean that in a loving way. No, he doesn't. <laughs> just... It's, we got a green light, so. Okay. I don't think they can hear me. Can y'all hear me? Well, I'll just yell. Oh, never mind. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> well, um, I just wanted to share with y'all, um, I take part in the churchwide fast. Um, in the past, it's only been maybe a week, and it wasn't on, of course, I would honestly have to say there were, like, things that were kind of convenient for me to let go of and stuff, but this um, year, I was really praying, and um, I knew God was going to move, and he did in many ways, um, like life-changing ways. Um, for my daughter, her name is Ariel, and Pastor Stormy mentioned um, last week that ever since she was probably around two or three, she never really slept well in the night, ever. Not, I mean, it was normal for her to walk in the room, and she would scare the living daylights out of Jason and I. We'd wake up, and she'd be right there looking right over us. It was kind of creepy. But um, anyway, um, she decided to fast. We didn't talk about it at home very much with her, but I guess just her hearing on Sunday mornings, and she would get here. Um, and one night she just said, Mom, I'm going to fast hot Cheetos. And I thought, what am I going to do? I pick off her hot Cheeto bag all the time, right, because they're so good. It's an so, anointing on those hot Cheetos. So. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so she was going to fast hot Cheetos. And I said, okay. I said, what are you fasting for? And she said, I just want to sleep good tonight. And I said, okay. So it took a little while, but she um, started to f- her fast. And... Um, by the third day, she was sleeping all night long. It was just amazing. And she, she didn't notice right off, but the next day she said, Mom, I slept really good last night. And I was like, hey, so did I. You know, it was different for me because I wasn't waking in the middle of the night. Um, anyway, my husband, he um, was out of a job a couple of um, months ago. And the church, you know, everyone was praying for our job because he brings home the money and stuff. And... Um, I have my job, thank God, and he had to go back to retail, and he wasn't too excited about it, but God, he provided for us during this time, and um, we were fasting for um, a job and stuff and direction, and um, the Friday night, uh, last Friday, he was went in to visit with a gentleman about a job, and um, on Monday, he accepted a job offer, and so this is just going to be a better place for him. Um, if y'all don't know, he's... Um, the drummer on Sundays, and it's kind of, um, if you know Jason, or if you don't know him, ask him his testimony, because it's really amazing, and so him playing up here, not just up here, but just serving God in his music is, like, totally opposite than what he did before he began, you know, to serve here at the church and serve God, and so um, that t- that's his passion, is to serve God through his drumming and stuff, so um now he's able to do that, and he's able to be at home every night and not work 90 hours a week just to make it happen for us. So um, I really encourage anyone who has the opportunity, and everyone has an opportunity, not just at the beginning of the year, to take on a fast and challenge yourself and challenge, you know, your brothers and sisters in Christ to fast when you know or they come to you in difficulty because God is good and he just he wants to move. And he will if you if you let him. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Roxanne at one time, and she still may be the, the greatest soul winner in our church. She brings more people to church. I mean, it's amazing how many. She brings the Hispanics to church. She brings the Filipinos to church. She brings the Orientals because they all think she's ever bit of that. You know, so she blends right in there. But, man, she loves people, so bless you. All right, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and a seed envelope. We're going to receive tonight's tithes and offerings. Man, keep your faith out there, okay, guys? God's no respecter of persons. We're going to receive our tithes and offerings tonight. I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. Now, we, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Yeah, I'm telling you right there, if you don't get anything, then I get that right there. That's how we make a life, is how we give. And get that on the inside. Now, check this out. Proverbs 22, verse number 9. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. He who has a generous eye. Now, I sat there and meditated on that a little bit. And you think about at times what we say, people have a good eye. You know, man, he's got a good eye. He can really shoot that gun. He's got a good eye at the plate, man. He can see those balls. He's got a good eye for decorating, or she's got a good idea or good eye for colors. But when I look at this right here, and he talks about a generous eye, you know what that tells me? Every one of us in here can have a generous eye. Every one of us in here. And look what he goes on to say at the last part of verse 9. For he gives of his bread to the poor. So the generous eye is one who gives. He looks for opportunities to give. And when you take on the nature of Father God, God's nature is to give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that's the same with me and you. But I've got to have a generous eye. I've got to look for opportunities to give. And they may look different for every one of us. You know, you heard me say that every Sunday morning on the way home from church, there's those men and women down there selling those papers. And there's one guy that, man, I mean, I've, I've just had a passion for. He shows up, and, and some days, man, I'll reach for my wallet, and a lot of Sundays I don't even have my wallet with me, and so I'll pull out some wadded one or two or three dollar bills, and I'll say, this is all I got, but I want to bless you. And he'll say, well, let me get you a paper. And I said, dude, I don't want a paper. I just want to bless you. And a lot of times it may, it may just be three or four dollars, but it is a blessing to him. Now, once again, guys, it, it starts with just what you have. I mean, you don't have to have a million. You don't have to have that. You know, there, there was a young man who was on his way to church one, one Wednesday night. And he was going to stop on his way and get him some fast food before he came to church. And the Lord said to him, he said, don't, don't do that. Just go on to church. So he obeyed the Lord and got to church. And after it was over, he was getting ready to leave. And there was an older lady sitting right there. And the Lord impressed on his heart. Just moved. And you've ever had the Lord just impress on your heart? Did you just get moved with compassion for someone? And he looked at that lady and the Lord said, give her that money. Well, he said, Father God, all the God's eight bucks. That's all I got. And he said, just give it to her. So he goes over there and hands the eight dollars to the lady. And he said, I, I hope this makes sense to you. But he said, the Lord told me to do this. So he starts walking away and he, he felt like an idiot. Like, and she said, young man, young man, come back. And he walked back over there and she was crying. And she said, you don't know how significant this is. She said, I wanted to come to church here tonight, but she said, I only had enough gas to get here. And she said, I sat here through the service and I wondered, 
Father God, how am I going to get home? I don't have any gas. And so that $8 was huge. It was significant. But it starts with a generous eye. Have a generous eye. Say, Father God, put that on me. Put that in me. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We, we thank you for the opportunity to give. And we just trust you tonight. Thank you for being the God that supplies our needs. And Lord, you're the God who said that you give. And I'll give it back to you. Not give to get, but give to give. So bless our hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, once again, um, Sunday morning, we're, we're talking about the gods that are after our heart. Man, it's, it's endless. And I had a guy, as they're receiving this, I'll get where we're going tonight. I had a guy call me today. He told me a story that happened in his life not long ago, that he grew up in New Mexico, and he was up in, in the Santa Fe Taos area one weekend, and he just decided to buy him one of those Kachina dolls. And he said, I just just was really drawn to it. And he said, I put it in one of my kids' rooms. And he said, before long, my kids began to have nightmares, and they would wake up at night, and just crazy stuff. And he said, you know my mom, and I know his mom, and she's a prayer warrior, man. And she came over to the house and said, you know what, we're going to pray over these, this house, we're going to plead the blood, we're going to believe God's moving in here. And so, Man, they spoke over the house and just anointed the doorpost. You can do that in your house, okay? Sometimes you've got to clean that junk out of there. And so his mother got ready to leave, and she turned around and looked, and she said, I know what the issue is. The Lord just showed me. And she said, he said, what? And he said, that little Kachina doll right there. And he said, it bothered me. It kind of made me mad. He said, I like that doll. He said, you know, it just really looked good in there. And she said, I'm going to tell you right now. He said that, she said, that is like an idol in this house. And he said, you don't know what people have spoken or prayed or done over that before you got that. And she said, the Lord's telling you, get it out and he'll move again. And so he said, after she left, he said, I whimpered around and I didn't like her telling me what to do. But he said, I sensed the Lord say, let me ask you something. Does that Kachina doll lead you closer to me or does it lead you farther away? He said, I got rid of that thing and threw it out. He actually said, I threw it in the dumpster. And he said, that night, my children slept. And there was a peace that came on my house. Now, once again, a lot of times we look at those things and we say, that's harmless. That's innocent. No, you've got to watch these things, guys. You've got to be very careful. Now, I'm not... I'm not telling you go get all your children's Barbie dolls and cut their head off. I'm not, I'm not telling you get your boys G.I. Joes and shoot them in the head with a BB gun. Don't do that. I'm not saying, you know, but just be led by the Spirit of God. Listen, guys, the, the, the only way the devil can get access to, to me and you is, is through our choices or any time we open the door to him. Now, we're going to talk tonight about more about the, the, the authority of the believer. Go with me to John 3. But just, just in saying that right there, 1 Peter 5, go, go to, go to John 3 with me. 1 Peter 5, 8 says that your adversary, your opponent, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may take to bingo. It says, seeking whom he may devour. 
Now, get the words right there. Seeking whom he may devour. If he could devour me and you anytime he wanted to, don't you think he'd already done it? And so, once again, that tells me that there's things in our life that we choose to open the door to him to allow him in. And anytime the devil's involved in your life, your home, understand this, you've opened the door somehow. James 4, 7 says this, Submit to God. Now, you've got to get a hold of that right there. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Many times we bypass the submitting part. And we start resisting the devil, and we resist him, and we resist him, and then we say nothing happened. But the bottom line goes back to, am I submitted to God? Because if I'm submitted to God and I resist the devil, he said he would flee from you. So guess who that tells me is the one who has the authority? Me and you, because I couldn't resist him if I didn't have authority. But it says there that if I resist him in the name of Jesus, he'll flee from me. Now understand all this, guys, because we're going somewhere. And once again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go slow and give you a biblical background on all this. Uh, we ended last week that, that one of our weapons, according to Ephesians six seventeen, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Start speaking the Word. Speak the word, the spoken word. Speak the word. There's power in the spoken word. And you start telling him, get behind me, Satan. Get behind. You speak the word at him. And speak the word with authority. You know, years ago, the evangelist uh, Smith Wigglesworth talked about a lady. Uh, and, and she walked down to the bus lot. And she was waiting on the, the bench for the bus to pull up. And her little dog followed her. And so she said to the little dog, she said, go home. Go home. And the little dog just sit there and look at her and wag her tail. And the, she knew the bus was getting closer. And she'd say, go home, go home. And finally, the bus is coming down the street. And she sees it and she goes, go home. And she said, the little dog took off. Whimpered. So I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes you've got to raise your voice. And you've got to get bold with the things of God. And understand this, I'm no match for Jesus. I mean, I'm no match for the devil, not Jesus. But I'm no match for the devil. But Jesus in me is. Where's that, Pastor? First John 4, 4. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, okay? And so once again, we've got to give a, get a, a, a foundation of the Word of God. You've got to get a foundation of who you are in Christ Jesus. That doesn't happen overnight, guys. You've got to get in the Word, and you've got to get in the Word, and you begin to speak the Word, and you begin to live the Word, and all of a sudden... Man, I'll tell you, the things of God will just swell up in you and swell up in you, okay? Third, uh, John chapter 3, let's begin here. And remember last week, you know, how God, he, he had put man as the ruler of the earth. Remember there in Genesis, he said, I give you dominion. Subdue the earth. And so, ultimately, Adam gave in to the devil. And we read where Jesus himself was manifested to take away our sins and to destroy the works of darkness. So let's pick up here this week because Jesus has now come on the scene. John 3, beginning in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, you've come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Now, 
The Greek word translated again right there literally means rendered from above. So let's read it that way. So I say to you, unless one is born above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't. Can't do it. Not going to happen. The only way you're going to have a relationship with God is to get born again. You've got to make Jesus Lord of your life. So look what Nicodemus says here to Jesus in verse 4. He said to them, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, Nicodemus was looking this at a physical way. But to, to enter the kingdom of God here, one must be born again. And, and the talking about here, that's not by experiencing a second biological or physical birth. It's by receiving Jesus as Lord as your life. And what Jesus does, he comes on the inside of every one of us and he changes our heart. When you get born again, your physical appearance doesn't, doesn't change. You know, you don't get a full set of hair. Man, if it did, I'd be getting born again every week. And say, man, I'm going to get bored again and look lean, mean, and fighting machine here. I'm going to lose some weight here. That's not what happens. What happens, Jesus comes back into our heart and reshapes our heart. Man, just, just fills us with him. Okay? Verse 5. Jesus answered, Moshe, surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now understand when Jesus said that one must be born of water, he was not talking about water baptism there. Okay? Now scriptures is going to prove this out. What was he talking about? Well, what was the, the thought that Nicodemus said? How can a man re-enter his mother's womb? The, the, the part there when it says he must be born of water, that is the natural childbirth when a woman's water breaks. So the only way you can enter the kingdom of God legally is, number one, you must be born of a woman. You know what that tells me? Every one of us in here qualify. None of you in here are aliens. Some of you, you kind of look alien to not know. But understand this right here. Every one of us in here have been born of a mother. The second thing he said there, that he must be born of the Spirit. That's when we give our heart to Jesus this is how we enter the kingdom of God. Right there, that tells us. So you've got to understand this. Have you been born here of a mother? Yeah, I have. You have too. Have I been born again? And what that means is Romans 10, 9 and 10, that I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Now when you get born again, it does not say that you say, Jesus, come into my, house, into my heart and be Savior. If you look at Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you confess him as Lord. Too many people in our churches, we view as Jesus as Savior, but not as Lord. Huge difference in that. You know what Lord says? I bow to you. You're my master. I live for you. But too many believers, we view Jesus as a life jacket. Bail me out when I get in trouble. We've got to get off that, guys. He's got to be Lord in our life. Keep reading with me. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of a woman is flesh. Now once again, when we get born here in the natural, our flesh, you can see us. You can touch us. Every one of us. But look what he says next. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
When I get born again and my heart gets born again, not one of us in here can see that with our physical eyes. We can't touch it. But it's just as real as when you get born with your flesh. It's just as real. It's just as alive. I want you to understand that. And so once again, Jesus, he clarifies some things right here. Verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again or from above. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who was born of the Spirit. Okay? So, here's a thought for you. How many of you have ever seen the wind? I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind. I've never seen the wind, though. But guess what? Tomorrow afternoon, you go outside and stand here in Lubbock, Texas, and you're going to feel the wind, okay? I saw the forecast. It's going to be a bad hair day. Just, just take that right there. And so this is what he's talking about. Even the things of the Spirit. Just because I can't see things doesn't mean it's real. Now, turn over with me to, to the book of uh, John chapter 10. So once again, highlighting some things. The only way to enter earth legally is to be born physically. It's the only way it could happen. To, to enter the kingdom of God, the only way that happens is you must be born again, spiritually. Now, think back of this, all these guys that God put Adam in the garden, gave him legal authority over everything here, but Adam sold out to the devil. When Adam sold out to the devil, the devil gained his authority here on earth. The Bible says that Adam basically died. That did not mean physically. If you go back and read the Bible, Adam carried along... In life, he was still alive, but spiritually he was dead. And so what happened, instead of Adam living under the blessing, a thing called the curse came upon him. That's Galatians 3.13. It says that Jesus has delivered us from the curse of the law. You know what the curse of the law is? Poverty, sickness, and death. Okay? And so those are the things Jesus has come for us. So understand that, that what Jesus has done, he's repurchased us. John 10. Verse 1, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold or the earth by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, okay? Now you got to get this here. The door that he's talking about is legal access into this place called earth. And he said, if you don't come through the door, you're here illegally. So guess what happens? When we go to, go to our house tonight, if I got a key, I can get in my, my house legally and I go right through the door. But if people in my neighborhood don't know me and they see me trying to rip off a screen and get through the window, you know what they're going to do? They're going to call 911 and say, that dude's trying to get in here illegally. So this is what he's even talking about. Legal entry here in the earth. Keep reading. Verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now this time the door he's talking about is Jesus. He who enters the, the door by Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. He leads them out of darkness into light. He'll ultimately lead us out of the world into heaven. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. You know why the sheep know his voice? Because they hang out with him. Now, I've been married for almost 33 years, 
And if Shelly called me from a different phone and I picked it up and said, hello, and she said, hello, I would know her voice immediately. You know why? I spent 33 years with her. I mean, I hadn't lived in my parents' home for over 30 years, but if I called my mom right now and I said, hey, without ever mentioning anything, she would say, oh, hello, darling, how are you? She would know my voice still. Why? We hang out with each other. That's the thing with Jesus. The more I hang out with Jesus, the more intimate I go. I get. The more I know His voice, the sheep know His voice is what this is talking about. Keep reading. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now, a lot of times I hadn't understood this. Thank God the Holy Spirit will teach you. Now, watch what happens here in verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Moshe, surely I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, understand this. Jesus references two doors in this passage. The first one is, legal entry to this earth can only come from a mother. The second one here is found right here when he said, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. The only way for me and you to live with the things of God is through Jesus, okay? Jesus qualifies us. Where are that? That's Colossians 1. It says, Jesus has made us to be partakers of the inheritance of life. He's qualified us. Not because I've done anything great, just because I received Jesus as Lord of my life. Keep reading, verse 7. And all who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. He'll find security and safety. The thief. Now think about how many times right here in John 10. I believe it's at least three times right here we see the word thief. Look what he declares here about the thief. The first time he said here that, that he, he enters in uh, a, a, some other way, he's a thief. Look what he says. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Who do you think the thief is? The devil. Let me ask you this. Is the devil here legally? No. He's here illegally. The devil never had a mother. Okay? And some people don't understand this, but the devil was, was an angel in heaven named Lucifer. Actually, the Bible says that he was, he was like the choir direct up there. He was beautiful. The, the, the Word of God there in Genesis 3 says he was more cunning or crafty than any of the others. And so you know what ultimately happened to him? A thing called pride. He said, I want to be like the Most High. And God said, listen, dude, you got to go. you got to go. How many of you have ever seen a, a, a falling star at night? Man, he just zips. Well, man, it'll be a great rerun in heaven to watch when God cast him out of heaven. I mean, it would... Kicked him out. Booted him out. And so, here he is right here. This is who the devil is. The thief is a fallen angel. And his ultimate goal is to steal, kill, and destroy all of God's creation. You know why? He hates me and you because we're created in the likeness and image of God. Understand this once again tonight. The devil's not your friend. He's not your friend. You know, there was a song years ago, I thought the devil was a friend of mine. He's not your friend, guys. He hates your guts. I say that in a loving way. 
Keep reading. I, Jesus, have come that they, who's the they? The sheep, me and you, that we may have life and that we may have it more abundantly. Okay? So understand, when you, you read this verse right here, there's a total contrast here. There's a complete opposite that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I come to give you life and that more abundantly. Now, the way Jesus came here, guys, understand this. God's always done everything legally. Everything that Father God does is legally here, okay? He won't do anything by, by breaking rules. Go with me to John 5, and I want you to see this. John 5. Just giving you a little bit of background of some things tonight. Verse 24. Man, I'm, I'm really proud of myself. I'm not getting out there in front of me. Man, I'm biting at the bit to do this and this, but I think just... Easy, easy, slow down. John 5, verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Now, I want to get that in you, guys. You don't have to clean yourself up to get born again. I used to think that. I used to say, you know what? When I get my life together, I'm going to go give my heart to Jesus. Well, you know how stupid that is? If you could get your life together, don't you think you could have already done that? Then why would God would ever need to send Jesus? The key is, you go to Jesus the way you are. And when you stroll in and got sin all over your life, you're not a mystery to God. He doesn't say, oh, crap. They're here. What are we going to do? Get the angels in here. We've got to go on a fast. David Burns is back here. He's here. No, he doesn't do that. He just wants our heart. And what happens, then he starts changing from the inside out. Okay, verse 25. Most surely I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Now this is in reference, guys, to the second coming of Jesus. When Jesus comes back the second time, he's going to come as the Son of God. I mean, we're going to know. You're going to hear those trumpet blasts, and there's going to be stuff happening. The dead in Christ will rise first. They're going to come up, man. Here they come. But he's going to arrive as the Son of God the second time. Keep reading. For as the Father has life in himself, so he's granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority or granted him power to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Now, you've got to get a hold of this right here, okay? Earlier right there, when he talked about him coming back the second time, he's going to come back the Son of God. This time right here, if you'll note in here, Jesus didn't say he had authority because he was the Son of God. He said he was given authority because he was the Son of Man. Jesus was born on this earth through a woman, legally. Jesus walked this earth as a man. He wasn't exempt from nothing because he was the Son of God. You take the Son of God completely out of the equation while Jesus was here on the earth. He was a man. He was tempted and tried just like me and you. And then when he went to the cross and died, he died as a man. He hurt as a man. He bled as a man. And when we go back and look at Jesus' life, remember last week in Acts 10.38, it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about uh, healing all those who were sick. I want you to think about right, right there. When Jesus was here on earth, 
He didn't operate under the power of the Son of God. He operated as a man under the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I tell me and you that because we got the same access to the Holy Spirit as he did. But I'm going to lead you a little more, man. This is in the upcoming weeks. He's given us his name. He's given us his name. Ooh, I didn't get very far here. Go with me to Matthew 8, and we, we may end with this. Who knows? Matthew 8, Matthew 8. So, guys, I'm just showing you here the, the history of mankind. God couldn't do anything legally. He couldn't do any of that. He had, he had to stay with the guidelines, the way he set things, and he still does it. He's still that way. Matthew 8, verse 28. And when Jesus had come to the other side to the country, of that pronounced crazy stuff, there met him two demon-possessed men who coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out. Who cried out? The demon-possessed men. The Amplified said they screamed and shrieked. Now get this, guys. These guys must have, I mean, they, they must have been so full of the devil. It said nobody could go, go in past them. And if you tried to go past them, I mean, they'd scare the health out of you. Health. Okay? Don't get religious on me. Keep reading. And suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus? Now this, this always gets me right here. These demons, they see Jesus and they recognize Him. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Now look what happens next. So they said, Jesus, you Son of God. They address Him as the Son of God right here. And look what they say very next. Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, you know what that means, before the time? There's a lease on this place called earth. The devil and the demons, they know there's a lease on there. That's why as, as their time goes uh, closer and closer to the second coming of God, they start turning the heat up. That's why we're seeing the evil we are. It's getting worse and worse. The devil's getting antsy. He's getting nervous because he knows his time here is limited. So he sees Jesus, these, these demons, and they say, have you come to torment us before the time? Now think about this just a second. They addressed him as the Son of God. They thought Jesus was cheating. They're like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Time out, Mr. Jesus. We have the right to be here. You don't. But Jesus wasn't here at this point in time as the Son of God. He was here as the Son of Man. Operating under the Holy Spirit. And I say all that to tell us this. And we can get filled with the Holy Spirit. The only prerequisite that I see to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got to be born again. Give your heart to Jesus and say, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me up, Holy Spirit, fill me up. So watch what happens here. Now a good way off from them was a herd of pigs feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, now get this, if, if you cast us out, Permit us to go away into the herd of the swine. I believe they were planning on Jesus to say, do you, do you really have authority here right now? Because if you're here before the time is up, you can't do that. But these little geniuses, these little demons here, they forgot. He was born a son of man. He was born here as a woman and he was here legally. So Jesus, just with one word, goes, Go! And this shows me right here, 
He had authority because, man, they took off. They hooked it and got out of there. And so we didn't get very far. And so, golly, so the devil, you know, he, he hated Jesus. And ultimately, when they killed Jesus, the religious leaders, Jesus died on the cross, and then he goes to hell, just as men will do. He went to hell as a man, and he took on everything that mankind had been stolen from. And the devil and all the demons, they were shouting, we killed the Son of God. We got him, we got him. We're the heirs now, we got him, we got him. But God had other plans. And I'm just going to quote it for you tonight. In Colossians 2.15, it said that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. So while Jesus went down to heaven, he took all the devil's authority, and it says he disarmed them. Now, if you'll note what it says right there, guys, he didn't annihilate those demons. He didn't annihilate them. They have a legal right to be here until the lease on this earth is up. But he did curb their authority. And so Jesus, he disrobed and it said he made a public display of them. Now, I don't know about you, on, on, on New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl parade was, and you see all the floats coming by, parading, and you see all the different features. Well, this is what took place in hell. Jesus paraded all the demons through hell. And he said, sickness, I disarmed you. Disease, I disarmed you. Everything that has in that, he disarmed them. And he, he pulled them around. He strolled them through hell. And then on the way out, he bruised the devil's head and he said, Now, I got the keys of the kingdom. Now, you, you got to come back in two weeks because I'm gone next week. Sorry to tell you that. But I'm going to tell you guys, we're going to tear it up for the kingdom of God. We're going to get where we understand we got authority. We got authority in the name of you by the blood of the Lamb. And I'm going to tell you, it's time the church arise and start speaking the name of Jesus and start living under the blood. And I mean, be bold. Be bold, be bold, be bold. Stand up on your feet with me. Be bold. You know, guys, there, there, was, a, there was a time, and I was around a woman that's so full of the devil. So full of the devil. Now, let me say this, guys. We have delegated a power from Jesus but that power and authority is not over other people, it's over the demons. And if you go back and look at Jesus' life, any time he, he dealt with people that were full of the devil, he didn't deal with the people. He dealt with the demon. He'd say, you got to go. you got to go. It wasn't anything against the people. That's the same with us. And so th there's this woman. Boy, i got to get you out of here. My nurse's worker's going to shoot me. She's, she's so full of the devil. I mean, just the manifestations. Let me just share this real briefly. We were down at an altar going to pray for her. And she spoke with a man's voice. And she said, you can't cast me out. And I, I tell you right now, every hair on my head stood up. And I looked, and I was with my brother that night. And we looked, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was ugly. 
And all of a sudden, the greater one on the inside of us rose up. And my flesh was wanting to say, run, run. And my spirit was like, in the name of Jesus, you come out of her. And I'm telling you, the peace of God came. She laid on this pew for probably 30 minutes. Didn't ever move. Some people are like, you killed her. We didn't kill her. <laughs> the next day, her husband marches into the church and says, I need to talk to that pastor. And my brother said, oh, my gosh, I thought we were getting ready to fight. He's mad. And he looked at me and said, what did you do to my wife last night? He said, what are you talking about? He said, my wife came to the church last night. She got home and he said, I've been married to her for four years. She's never slept the entire night in her life. He said, she's up and down, sleepwalking, fighting around. He said, she got home last night. He said, she's still asleep. She slept for 14 hours. What would you do to her? And we said, we prayed in the name of Jesus. And he said, I need that Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you this stuff. I believe God's raising up believers. Not fruitcakes. Do, 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 do. On a witch hunt. Going on a, I'm not talking about witch hunt, guys. Okay? I'm just talking about being believers. And there's junk in your family. Uh, you got to go. Now let me pray. We got to get you out of here. You got to go. You got to go. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.